Sam Tracy. And I'm Sarah Merrigan. And thanks for tuning in to Season 5 of This Week in Drugs, the leading podcast on all things drugs, including policy, science, culture, and so much more. This show is produced by Twid Media, whose members are all alumni of Students for Sensible Drug Policy, an awesome nonprofit working to end the war on drugs. We also produce a weekly email newsletter and have some other exciting projects on the way. You can check them all out on our website, thisweekindrugs.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. And now it's time for our weekly news and forecast, where we talk about some of the biggest drug news stories from the last week and a couple of exciting things that are coming up in the weeks ahead. And before getting into this week's episode, just a quick shout out to our sponsor, of course. This week, it's Tom Angel's Marijuana Moment, one of the best news resources out there for the marijuana movement in the industry. So check it out at marijuanamoment.net. And this week, before I dive into things, just a quick heads up, I'm actually going to be taking this week's news solo uh, with an abbreviated episode. Um, Unfortunately, due to some technical difficulties, we weren't able to get a normal episode out, but we wanted to make sure that we had something since we were off last week for the SSDP conference. Uh, That was a really great event uh, for all of you who attended or who weren't able to make it. I know that a lot of the conference uh, panel live streams are available online to watch. Uh, so also keep your ears out for some exciting projects uh, and things that we're going to be publishing in the next uh, couple of weeks with content that we got there. Uh, so with that, we're going to just dive into this week's episode. The first big story this week is that the head baseball coach at Texas Wesleyan University has been fired after he rejected a Colorado high school student who is interested in joining their program just for being from the state of Colorado. This strange and pretty outrageous news comes along with screenshots of his email to the student, whose name is Gavin Bell, where the coach writes, Hi Gavin, thanks for your interest in the program. Unfortunately, we are not recruiting players from the state of Colorado. In the past, players have had trouble passing our drug test. We've made a decision to not take a chance on student-athletes from your state. You can thank your liberal politicians. Best of luck wherever you decide to play. Mike Jeffcoat, head baseball coach, Texas Wesleyan University. So that's the email. And to their credit, the administration did quickly respond once this came to light, holding a press conference where they, uh, the university president, Fred Slabach, he announced that Mike Jeffcoat is no longer an employee of the university and we do not tolerate discrimination. So it's great to see that they did react so quickly to this, but uh, just going to run through some of the implications here. I mean, it's obviously bad just because he was discriminating against an entire state, assuming that everyone in Colorado is using marijuana now that it's legal, um, which I think is both a pretty stupid idea, uh, but I think also illegal because it is just on its face discriminating against people based on where they're a resident rather than their own behavior. And it is also just pretty ridiculous for a number of reasons. I mean, the whole point of these drug testing programs is to test individuals. I mean, even if true, uh, why deny someone for just being from a group that has you know, higher than average usage rates under that same sort of logic, uh, you know, employers saying maybe that they'd only hire women because they're more likely to pass a drug test or that they'd only hire Mormons because they're more likely to pass a drug test. You can't really do that sort of thing. You need to just, if you have a policy, just apply it to everyone and test them on their individual merits. 
And Colorado, I mean, they are at the high end for marijuana consumption, but they actually were before legalization too. And changing the law hasn't led to a spike among youth, which this guy was. He was a high school student applying for a college baseball program. And there hasn't been the increases that prohibitionists warned about among young people. The only place where there has been any noticeable increase is among seniors. And basically just because they're the people who didn't have access to the black market as easily as, as younger people. So there's more of uh, seniors who wanted to use didn't, who d- and didn't have access. Well, basically, any young person who is interested can find it pretty easily. And it doesn't even make any sense as he was discriminating against just Colorado because nine states now have marijuana legalization. It's unclear if he was denying students from all nine of these states, I mean, including California, uh, which is massive and I'm sure is getting tons of applicants. Or I don't know if he had some weird anger at Colorado for being you know, among the first states and always getting so much media attention. I mean, he sounds like someone who doesn't follow this very closely anyway, uh, but just has some really deep-seated biases, as you can also tell from him saying that you can thank your liberal politician. So this is obviously not just about marijuana. Um, He seemed to just be having some hatred for the left. And so uh, it's really good to see that the university just kicked him right out very quickly. Uh, And hopefully we'll be seeing no more of this and other people will be able to learn from his example. And the other big story that I'm going to be talking about this week is that a woman in Tampa, Florida, was jailed for five months, five months, after a field drug test gave a false positive, identifying her vitamins as oxycodone. And it's pretty shocking how she even got into this terrible situation. It was through no fault of her own. Uh, Her name is Rebecca Shaw, and she was driving her car and ran out of gas. So she pulled over to the side of the road, and a county police officer then pulled up behind her. But instead of trying to help her, he asked to search her car. Uh, It sounds like she consented to the search, um, a separate issue that we can talk about. But she let him, uh, thinking that she had nothing to hide, and he found a bottle of pills, which she told him were vitamins, correctly. He didn't believe her, apparently telling her that they looked to him like oxycodone. He then used a field drug test, which supposedly gave a positive result, and then he took her to jail. And, you know, she wasn't a well-off person. Uh, She couldn't afford the $5,000 bail, and so she had to stay in jail for five months until her husband could come up with the money. And she was married. She had kids who went without her for five months. And seven months after that, so a full year after the incident, the drug testing incident, the state drug lab came back with a negative result, confirming that the field test was a false positive. And so there's a lot going on here. Um, A terrible story. Glad she was able to get out, you know, after five months instead of 12, but she obviously shouldn't have been there at all. And field drug tests are a major problem in our criminal justice system. Many people assume that, you know, they must always be right or at least have, you know, 99% accuracy like we expect from a pregnancy test or a lot of other tests that we uh, use in our daily lives, but they are so much worse. Uh, Back in 2016, the New York Times did a really good story. It was called How a $2 Roadside Drug Test Sends Innocent People to Jail, and we'll have the link to that in our show notes. And in that, they said, data from the Florida Florida Department of Law Enforcement lab system shows that 21% of evidence that police listed as methamphetamine after identifying it was not methamphetamine. And half of the false positives were not for any illegal drug at all. So that's about 
you know, a 79% correct rate there, um, nor near the 99% that we expect from other tests. And that is leading to many, many people, particularly poor people who can't make bail, uh, because the, then they send it up to the state for more thorough testing. That takes time. Um, but if you're poor, you can't have your freedom during that time when someone who can just drop $5,000, uh, they can just get their freedom immediately. And overall, you know, our criminal justice system should be focused more on justice. So, you know, actually finding the truth rather than the criminal side. So, you know, just getting arrests and convictions and there should be processes in place to rapidly confirm or deny these sort of tests. I mean, doing a second test immediately to see if there's a, uh, another positive or maybe if it was a false positive. And then expediting the more thorough tests that are happening at the state level. I mean, it's ridiculous that it takes a year uh, in order to find out whether or not something is oxycodone. It's really similar to the unfortunate, also terrible situation where many uh, rape kits go untested for potentially years. And uh, when all of this evidence is just sitting there that could be you know, either finding criminals or also exonerating people who uh, are falsely suspected, we should be you know, actually devoting a lot of resources to those. And so maybe we should even stop using these tests until we have one that actually is 99% accurate as well. And uh, this also does collide with that problem of cash bail. As I mentioned, she lost five months of her life because she didn't have $5,000. And I'm sure it cost much more than $5,000 to jail her during that time. And so the police, I mean, the biggest victim here, of course, is uh, Rebecca Shaw, but they also did serious harm to taxpayers and the general public by wasting public resources on this uh, police time that was spent uh, on her case that should have been spent on, you know, people who are actually doing something wrong. Uh, so this is a good example of why you should not consent to searches. Uh, check, check out the great videos from the organization Flex Your Rights if you want to learn more about how to do that responsibly. Uh, but because there are so many chances of false positives like this, you just don't want to get searched in the first place. And so now just a quick word from our sponsor. If you work in the cannabis industry, consume marijuana, or just support drug policy reform, you need to know about breaking policy news that affects you. Marijuana Moment is a daily newsletter that helps you stay on top of all the latest and most important state, federal, and international cannabis developments. Brought to you by longtime legalization activist Tom Angel, Marijuana Moment puts a concise yet comprehensive overview of cannabis news in your inbox early every weekday morning. If you need to know what's happening in marijuana, wake up to Marijuana Moment and rest assured, you'll be ready for the cannabis news that's driving the day. Subscribe now at MarijuanaMoment.net. And now it's time for some quick hit headlines. The first is that Martin Shkreli, who first got public attention for raising the price of an AIDS drug by 5,000% while in charge of Turing Pharmaceuticals, has been sentenced to seven years in federal prison. This was not related to that price hike, which was very unpopular but totally legal but instead was due to him defrauding investors of about $10 million by lying to them about his company's earnings and then using other investor money in order to pay back the original ones. A bill proposed in the Maryland state legislature would prevent medical marijuana patients from being denied buying a firearm because of their status as a patient. This is in response to a lot of confusion around the country as federal law says someone cannot purchase a gun if they use illegal drugs, which includes medical marijuana since the federal government doesn't recognize it. The sponsor, Delegate Glenn Glass, said 
Maryland is the free state, and someone who is not breaking Maryland state law should not lose their Second Amendment rights. And now for the weekly forecast. Thursday through Saturday, March 22nd through 24th, in Denver, Colorado, the Minority Cannabis Business Association is partnering with the University of Denver's Daniels College of Business and Hoban Law Group to host the first-ever Cannabis Opportunity Summit. MCBA is a really great group. We've talked about them a lot on the show, and this seems like a fantastic event for anyone who wants to either get involved with the Colorado marijuana industry or who wants to ensure that, along with their mission, that the broader marijuana industry includes minorities and people impacted most by the war on drugs rather than excluding them and kind of pulling up the economic ladder. And so check that event out, and we'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. And that is all for our abbreviated episode this week of the news and forecast. Uh, Thanks again for listening, and thanks again to our sponsor, Tom Angel's Marijuana Moment. And uh, as always, there's so much going on that it's hard to keep track of it all and hard to uh, know what you want to hear about most. So if there's ever a story that you think is particularly interesting that you want us to cover on the show, or if especially if you have an event coming up that you want us to talk about here, feel free to send us a message on Facebook or Twitter, or you can email us at thisweekindrugs at gmail.com, and we'd love to include it in the show. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week. again for listening to season five of This Week in Drugs, hosted by Sam Tracy and me, Sarah Merrigan, and produced by Chris Harris. If you liked this episode, please be sure to subscribe so that new episodes will be sent straight to you. If you really liked this episode, you can help other people discover us by writing a quick review in iTunes or wherever you're listening. And if you absolutely love this episode and want to support our work, you can make a one-time contribution using PayPal, become a monthly supporter on Patreon, or even sponsor an episode. For links to those and to learn more about our other projects, head on over to thisweekindrugs.org.